Stay tuned now for the local coronavirus update. Well, hey, it's me. I'm finally going to get my vaccine. I'm so excited. I've been waiting a while. I'm old enough to get it, and I'm smart enough to get it. So I'm very happy that I'm going to get my Moderna shot today. And I wanted to tell everybody that you should get out there and do it too. I even changed one of my songs to fit the occasion. It goes, vaccine, 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 vaccine. I'm begging of you, please don't hesitate. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. Because once you're dead, then that's a bit too late. <laughs> I know I'm trying to be funny now, but I'm dead serious about the vaccine. I think we all want to get back to normal, whatever that is. And that would be a great shot in the arm, wouldn't it, if we could get back to that. But anyhow, I just wanted to encourage everybody, because the sooner we get to feeling better, the sooner we are going to get back to being normal. So I just want to say to all of you cowards out there, don't. Be such a chicken squat. Get out there and get shot. Uh, okay. so the the inimitable <laughs> Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. That's from a YouTube video of Dolly Parton actually getting her Moderna shot, and she wore a special shirt with yes. a hole in the shoulder. Yes, it was very glamorous. Anyway, this is the local coronavirus update. <laughs> I'm Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Hey, Drew. Hello, Alicia. Welcome I was getting tired. I thank you. <laughs> I was getting tired of our theme song, so you know. Well, it's just not as timely anymore. The news yeah. isn't all bad anymore. Not for the moment. Although no. I do love listening to Williams. <laughs> it's hard to get to. Well, I love Dolly Parton too, so you know. Yeah, time for a little switch up. Yeah. So this is an hour-long call-in show. We're going to start out with a little update on God local... bless us all. An hour. Yeah. <laughs> local news and updates about the pandemic. Uh, we are We've been doing this for over a year now, and it's nice to be at this stage where we can talk about developments that maybe look forward to getting through this pandemic finally at long last uh, but so we'll give some updates and then we will open up the phone lines and the phone number here in the studio is 895-2448 we look forward to your questions what you got for us today well i just came off of i think five shifts in the last oh, wow. few days um and i can say i did not see or diagnose a single case of covid Woo-hoo! i know Amazing. is that the first time in a year uh, not in a year, well, right. but <laughs> since the summer, it certainly felt like I was bathing in COVID back in December and January, and it's you know it's largely controlled, uh, remarkably. Wow. Yes, science it really does work. Um, but yes, we right now in our county have added only 17 cases in the last week, um, bringing our total up to 39.35. Um, our Daily average is four a day. It's a little bit lower than that if you um, look at the last few days. Um, and our positivity rate is 2.1%. Um, we are down to 118 in isolation and quarantine in the county. And as of yesterday, there was exactly one person in the county hospitalized with COVID. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. I know. So I think we're done. End of the show. Hey. <laughs> Wait, isn't everybody warning not to feel that way? Like, no, not I know, to let I your know. guard down? Or yeah, not but it, it's really remarkable. I mean, we have vaccinated the, the at-risk population lar- largely without exception in this county at this point. And that just means nobody's getting acutely sick from COVID. The people who are going to get acutely sick are vaccinated, and the vaccines work so well that they're just not coming in um, and requiring hospitalization or ICU placement. Um so that's very, very good news. Um, the vaccination rates in this county 
um, public health has uh, tallied up 20,000 uh, individuals, 28,000, excuse me, um, individuals who have received at least one dose through them. Um, Adventist has given over 25,000 vaccines, so that's, you know, that's at least 12,500 individuals through Adventist and probably closer to 15,000. Um, so those two numbers alone point toward an excess of 50,000 people vaccinated in this county um, of 85. So we are well on our way. We're going to start running into um, you know vaccine hesitancy um, probably pretty quickly, actually. Let's talk about the good news and then the n kind of not as good news. The good news is that the state of California issued an edict again <laughs> uh, that they now we will begin offering appointments to everyone over the age of 50 on thursday so they're do actually essentially doing away with the tier system on thursday so april 1st 50 and above are eligible to make their appointments and on April 15th, it's going to be 16 and above. So yeah. that's... Everyone. Thursday's April Fool's Day, though, so they're probably going to change the plan between now and then. Or my turn. We'll yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll be resurrected. Yes. No, I mean, it's... it's, it's, it's long overdue uh, frankly and, and this county should have been um, wide open for vaccines for the past month and it just hasn't um, however we haven't really been getting that many new first dose vaccines into the county Adventist hasn't been getting a lot through their distribution system and the county hasn't been getting a lot of first dose vaccines either so in in the long term I'm not sure whether this delay um, throwing it wide open is going to have that much of an impact Right. It seems like last week it was a whole lot of second dose. Yeah, events. there were very, very few first dose vaccines coming in last week. And I think they're going to be similarly few coming in this week mm -hmm. um, and maybe even next week, actually. So while the tiers are going to be finally abolished um, or ignored or swept aside, uh, I don't think we're going to have a lot of vaccine washing into the county to mm -hmm. get to all the newly eligible people, at least for another week or maybe two. Right. And uh, is part of that because we did do kind of so well? We got so I many I presume whoever is sitting at the California Distribution Center is looking at Mendocino County and, you know, our numbers are 50,000 people out of 85. That's pretty remarkable. So, you know, I if it were a rational system, one would presume that they're not going to be shipping a lot to us when there are a lot of other counties that are not nearly as far along as we. All right. And then the other news that came out on Friday is about these COVID-19 variants that were discovered in Mendocino County that um, that they were testing samples from February and discovered four variants. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, two West Coast variants and two U other U.S. variants, which are 20 percent more transmissible yes and they are here yes no they that that was inevitable um if we're if we're seeing you know the higher numbers that we're seeing back in january december and january that those variants are going to gain supremacy just due to their higher transmission rates um and so that is inevitable but what is good is there is continuing um, fairly good evidence that the vaccines actually work against all of these um, variations so far. Um, but the more people that you know are hesitant to get the vaccine, the more opportunity there will be for um, mutation, evolution, evolutionary selective pressures, and we'll see these strains continue to evolve, perhaps and presumably in ways that are detrimental to our collective health so 
hopefully we can stay ahead of the curve in terms of the race against the COVID, uh, the COVID mutation and selection rate and our rate of vaccine uptake. It really is like a race, isn't it? Is. It is, yeah. yeah. To, get, to get everyone vaccinated before things mutate to the point where they don't work with the vaccine well and it's not just it's obviously not just a mendocino county race or even a california race or even a national race it's a global race um and so it, it you know it, if if strains that are resistant or able to avoid um containment by the available vaccines emerge anywhere in the world um you can be darn sure that they're going to spread everywhere in the world um, until a new vaccine that contains that um strain is developed and distributed so it's it's a worldwide problem and that's why a lot of these vaccines that are being used elsewhere in the world really matter so the beleaguered astrazeneca uh, vaccine um, is critically important and so is the johnson johnson vaccine just because those are cheaper and much easier to transport and distribute um so you know those are the vaccines along with the vaccine developed in china and the sputnik vaccine out of russia um those are the ones that are going to save the world and end the pandemic it's not this high-tech moderna and pfizer one that are really not not suitable for the developing country developing world all right any other news um well the other news is it turns out that Dr. Burks and Redfield really don't feel like the Trump administration did well. But I, I, I was astonished. It was truly, weren't they in charge of this pandemic response? Truly astonishing. Um, 450,000 deaths could have been um, avoided per Dr. Burks, um, but yet she was the, the coronavirus pandemic coordinator. Yes, it's fascinating. Uh, the, the, the cravenness and the ability to rewrite history is just astonishing. Who holds these people accountable? That's what I want to know. I mean, we go through these historical catastrophes, and then now she's doing interviews, you know, doing the rounds with the National yeah. Cable News Networks. It's like, but who holds these people accountable? Or even Trump, and, and for that matter, for these public health, you know, catastrophes that we're experiencing. Yeah, good question. There will not be accountability. You don't... Oh... <laughs> I was literally. <laughs> to I, was, I was asking. That <laughs> was not a yeah. <laughs> rhetorical question. Yeah. The answer is no. Yeah. Well, the other, the other news, the other more pertinent news is the CDC today just released some data um, showing there's ongoing effectiveness of both the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines um, in terms of preventing not only illness no big surprise there, but also transmission, um, which points toward the increasing likelihood that uh, people who are fully vaccinated and immunized are not going to be spreading the virus all that very much um, whatsoever, which is why we're seeing the numbers drop, um, at least in this county. What we are seeing, though, nationally, is a lot of hot spots popping up, and that's yeah. going to be what we're going to be dealing with for the next three to four months, particularly in states that don't have a lot of vaccine uptake um, and states that aren't practicing the COVID rules. They're going to just develop these hot spots, and how hot they get is going to depend a lot on what kind of strains are um, being spread around and whether the vaccine uptake changes or whether behaviors change as there's another surge. And we're seeing that you know, certainly in Michigan right now, Florida's starting to build, um, and a lot of the New York region, New England region states are also surging pretty significantly, um, much 
much, much more so than our cool yellow California on mm-hmm. the COVID heat map. I had seen some reporting over the weekend about the age having dropped for these hot spots, so that people who are getting sick are much younger. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that, and that I think reflects you know much higher vaccine uptake against the, amongst the uh, more elderly um, population um, and higher risk activity of of the younger population there was a saturday night live skit about boomers getting vaccinated it was extremely satisfying um the other thing that people are talking about is and and dolly parton's accusation of being a chicken hawk or whatever whatever she called called people uh aside uh that people are really talking about vaccine hesitancy and how to communicate with people who are concerned about getting the shot uh, and finding that it's there's a whole lot of reasons that people are hesitant that there's not just one or two yeah, reasons why it, it it's quite remarkable how um, diverse um, the reasons are for the opposition to getting the vaccine it you know it it, it it's quite astonishing and I, I think it just requires continued conversation with the vaccine hesitant um, and really trying to drill down on the source of the hesitancy the people that I've spoken with who are hesitant tend to uh, cite their reluctance to uh, take a vaccine or accept a vaccine that is quote or unquote new or novel or rushed in its development. And I, I, I understand where that's coming from. Um, and it's I think it's becoming increasingly clear that these vaccines are remarkably safe. We're talking, you know, over 100 million uh, people vaccinated just in this country alone um, with a very low incidence of serious adverse reactions. Um, And so... It's certainly um, if if you if I when I talk to people about the risk versus the benefits of the vaccine, you know, it the the equation weighs so heavily on favoring the vaccine um, over the risk of COVID or even worse, long COVID or even worse, you know, a really bad case of COVID um, that that conversation actually proves to be persuasive um, with the people that I speak to. Now, I think on the sort of right-wing uh, edge of the spectrum, the the conversation's a bit more difficult mm-hmm. uh, because there's very little rational basis uh, for the hesitancy. It, it all revolves around the fact that this is not real, not dangerous, um, and I'm just going to take my chances with COVID, which would be fine but for the fact that it puts all the rest of us at risk of getting you know some strain of covid so it's it's really it's a fallout of the political uh, narrative that we had around this and that we've had around science uh for years but around covid for the last 14 months um and it's it's gonna be hard to overcome it yep. really is real world consequence of people not being able to get good reliable information yeah. and it's you know it's remarkably um, it's remarkably more robust this hesitancy in the deep red areas of the country. Um, you know, right. there are states um, in the South where there's just vaccine not being utilized because people don't want it, and the rate of vaccine uptake is very low. We seem to not have a lot of that here. No, we don't, and you know, there's also a national problem with getting it into the Latinx community, um, but. 
locally, the local health centers and public health and Adventists have done an exceptionally good job of reaching out to the Latinx community and getting a very high degree of uptake um, in in this county, which is fantastic, particularly since they have borne disproportionately um, the brunt of this pandemic in the county. Yeah, certainly. I really would like to see at some point as we come out of this uh, some analysis, much more analysis about how that happened and uh, what we can do to carry it forward in terms of changes to our public health infrastructure or our health care infrastructure. Because, it, you know, one of the things that's come out of this pandemic is nobody's going to save us and that we definitely need to change the way that we deliver health care. So, you know, in terms of thinking about what we can do moving forward and how we can take this experience and, and learn and, and advocate uh, both for changes on the federal level, but also on the local level, I think we can really make some important changes if we take this seriously and, and keep moving forward. Yeah, it's going to be a tall order, however. It's not just the healthcare system. It's the it's the societal organization, right? The, the factors that contribute to... <laughs> capitalism <laughs> yes exactly got it yeah well on that note yeah anything else i think that's all i have off the top of my head all right let's open up the phone lines and see what's on the top of your head listeners 895-2448 that's 707-895-2448 the lines are open here this is the local coronavirus update i'm alicia bales live in the studio with dr drew colfax and we've changed now we do this weekly Mondays from 3 to 4 o'clock. So we'll be here. There's plenty of time for your calls. Uh, just be patient, and we will get to you as we get these calls. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Um, is there a difference between the first shot and the second shot in the Moderna and the uh, uh, Pfizer vaccines? Is there a difference? Because if you have a lot for this, you know, people in line for the second shots, and they probably already had their first, so you have them already on the grid. Can those be used for a first shot for people? Yes, there's no difference between the first and second shot for either the Moderna or Pfizer. And that's actually what happens at some of these events is if when we're giving uh, either when we're giving second dose shots, if we have some extra, we'll reach out to the next group of people, the next handful of people uh, for a first dose um, just to use up the the remaining supply. So we we have been doing that at these vaccine events. It's pretty closely um, distributed and monitored, however. So that's usually just, you know, three or four extra shots uh, from a vial that's cracked open and needs to be used up as the event winds down. Okay, so when you say we, are you talking about, um, uh, who are you talking about? You're not talking about public health, you're talking about... I'm talking um, about at these vaccine events, um, and I, I, uh, okay. I can't generalize... Well, I can't generalize to all of them, but in my experience, um, it's pretty common to have a few extra doses, um, and okay. the, the people who are coordinating, the people who are tracking the list of who's eligible will reach out to a few of the people at the top of that list to get them in for a unscheduled first dose. Um, but that's uh, that's a very okay, low yeah, number. Thank you yeah. very much. Yep. I thought they were the same, but I wasn't sure, especially after you were talking about it today. Okay, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. So you've, you've volunteered in these clinics and given some of these vaccinations. Oh, yes, there will be shots, yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. We move quickly, so don't come with your questions at these vaccines. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. 
Um, I just had a question. I don't even know if this is a question. I just like, okay, so me and my partner are fully vaccinated. Yay. Good. And um, we're, <laughs> we're going to um, Arizona um, uh, for a trade show because we have to. It's part of our business. We put it off all, you know, last right. year because we had to and right. everything. And I'm just really like paranoid and freaked out because of Arizona being Arizona and I just I I just don't know if if us wearing a mask and and hand sanitizing and stuff like that and 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 trying to social distance we're only doing the trade show stuff outside we're not going into any of the buildings because we don't feel comfortable doing that and I just I mean how do you feel about that Dr. Colfax yeah, so and I, I'll hang up <laughs> Yeah so I I would uh I would feel pretty comfortable about that, about that, actually. I mean, you're fully vaccinated at this point, and I don't know your age or your risk factors, um, but presuming that you are not extremely elderly, which you're probably not if you're headed to Arizona for a trade show, um, your risk of getting sick from COVID is markedly low. And if you continue to be somewhat careful in terms of masking and distancing and being outside, uh, then your risk is even lower yet. So frankly, if we were to look at this statistically, your odds of getting sick from COVID in any significant way are probably lower than your risk of traveling to and from COVID and having some sort of motor vehicle crash. So so, yeah, I, I would really sort of stand down in terms of your anxiety around this. Um, it's it's the inflection point that we're all trying to measure, right? We're trying to figure out, are we able to start doing some of these things that we haven't been able to do for a year? The public health messaging on this is just to sit tight for as long as possible. But the reality is, and you reflect this, we do need to start, you know, making a living and doing our jobs and, you know, protecting our mental health by seeing family and friends, etc. And so in your case, if you're fully vaccinated, the science is quite clear that you're, you're, you're quite safe doing something like this. Well, that's a relief. Yeah, it's nice, right? Yeah. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. I'm one of those hesitant people who has made up her mind to get vaccinated as soon as the nights are warm enough and I can breathe better. But I want to tell you a funny story because it will lighten all of us. Uh, I have told you before that someone very close to me is uh, involved in the vaccine uh, writing protocols. And he expressed to his mother when she told him she had been Pfizer vaccinated, he said, oh, please. And I got nervous. And so I, uh, for a long time, was worried about it and finally got in touch with him and I said, why did you say, oh, bleep? And he said, oh, because Trump has stock in that company and I don't like that. <laughs> and so, well, <laughs> it was wonderful relief to know that the only reason he didn't like Pfizer was its stockholder. So I <laughs> thought I would put that out. Um, it was a lot of worry for very little, and 
uh, delighted me when it all came around. And thank you for the show. You're doing great work. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for that funny anecdote. Um, and I, you know, I, I think it's become fairly clear over the course of this year that I'm not exactly a big fan of Big Pharma. Um, but uh, these vaccines are remarkably, you know, they're, they're, they're truly ending the pandemic. Um, and the science behind them is astonishing. Um, and their safety is really proving to be uh, quite high. You know, I, I don't know if Trump's a stockholder in Pfizer, I don't really care, um, but uh, it's a good it's a good drug. Um, and frankly, Pfizer simply provided the money. It was developed by this brilliant workaholic uh, pair of uh, biochemists in Germany on uh, the BioNTech of the BioNTech Pfizer vaccine. Um, they they did the work on this. Pfizer just wrote the check. Nerds, save us again. Yeah, you know, I this is how I feel about it. If the, I don't. the nerds, by the way, are the richest couple in Germany, and they're immigrants from Turkey. So you know, it's it's the irony is rich. Yes, good on them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bless them. Uh, but I feel like if you don't like big pharma, and if you don't like being involved in Western medicine, then it's even more of a reason to get the shot to keep you the heck out of, out of having Western to have medicine ex- because, extreme because, treatments yeah. when you get horribly sick from not because, having had this little injection. Yeah, well, we, we do get very allopathic on people when they come into the ER and are not breathing. Um, so, you know, that medicine is, it, 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 it's not it's not West, it's not Eastern at all or alternative when people start to crash from severe COVID. Go allopathic on yes, people. Yes, yes. Full allopathic. <laughs> Let's take our next call. Hey, caller, you're live on the air. Thank you. Um, I would I would love to hear the vaccine events in Mendocino County. I know a couple people that are absolutely looking for uh, a chance to get vaccinated their first shots. Yeah. So there there aren't a lot of first shot events scheduled to my knowledge. I don't think Adventist. Um, has any significant first shot event they're trying to finish up their second shot um sequence right now and i'm not certain whether public health has announced any new first shot events um i haven't seen that um alicia is double checking right now but when i looked this morning i did not see anything obvious about a new scheduled first shot event so we're kind of in this law period that i referenced um at the top of the show waiting for more vaccine to arrive in this county uh, through the various channels i mean there 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 are four really and there are really only three the one is through adventist one's through public health and the other one through the pharmacies is just going to the elder care homes. And that's pretty much done at this point. Um, and then Consolidated is getting some small unknown quantity of vaccines that they continue to distribute. But that that's more through their clinics rather than significant vaccine events that are open to everybody. Right. And the second shot events, there are no first dose events listed on the yeah. Mendocino County webpage, but the second dose events, we have uh, announced them, but I'll go ahead and announce them again. Uh, there's one on the, the 30th, what is that, that's tomorrow, at the Ukiah Fairgrounds for anyone who received their first dose at the fairgrounds on the on March 9th, uh, that's from 9 to 5. Then at the Ukiah Fairgrounds on April 1st, there is a second dose event. Anyone who received their first dose at the Ukiah Fairgrounds on March 11th or March 13th. And then on April 2nd, there is a, a, 
a second-dose clinic at the Casper Community Center for anyone who received their first dose at the Casper Community Center on March 12th. I think that was the event where they had a lot of extra doses, so a whole lot of people came and got their first doses who may not have been in in one of the tiers, but they just had all of these shots available. So um, that's what's listed on the county website in terms of public health events. I know there is also an event happening in Little River uh, this week for a second dose for anyone who got their first dose at, at Little River. I can't remember if it's on the first or the second, but I'll confirm that in just a second. And the instructions for that one are for those of you who did get vaccinated at Little River uh, for your first dose, just come at the same time that you came before because they have the exact makes, number of doses for makes it the, simple yeah, that, yeah for the people to get their second dose has got their first dose and i'll go confirm that date right now are they giving the overflow shots at the end of those clinics if a person went and stood there at whenever they were supposed to close and yeah I, they, that that is how it, that is how it works i mean I, I wouldn't encourage too much optimism around that because it's usually just a, you know an extra shot or two um and unfortunately the county um and i think it's actually the state um doesn't want us to draw up the extra tiny little bit in these vials so in a in a 150 vaccine event uh, 150 person vaccine event uh, we might actually have the equivalent to 10 or 15 additional doses just left over in the vials um and for for bureaucratic reasons rather than for anything else um we are not permitted to combine those and combine extra doses um so it's it's very few that actually are left over at most of these events and i you know i, I really wouldn't encourage anybody to sort of loiter around the the edges of a vaccine a second dose vaccine event hoping to get a leftover first dose it's coming soon for everybody um i think in this county and frankly with over fifty thousand people vaccinated um i i don't think there are going to be that many more um, people coming forward over the course of the next week or two uh for vaccines i think we're going to reach a saturation point probably by the end of april yeah, I think that these people that want to get vaccinated, their first one, they're traveling at the end of April on the 20th, and so they're, you know, trying to get vaccinated before they get on the plane. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, particularly if it's a two-dose vaccine, you're not going to be, you're not going to have any significant degree of immunity uh, for, you know, four to five weeks at least, and really six weeks after your first dose is when you can comfortably say that you have immunity. So if they're flying the end of April, they're not going to have immunity uh, in time to allay their anxiety about getting on that plane. That said, uh, with the numbers being as low as they are, and if you mask up and if you're quite careful on the plane, I think being in a commercial flight at this point is actually relatively low risk. Um, the, the higher risk is getting through the airport uh, on either end um, and just the crowds and the lines that you might have to navigate. Okay. Um, is, can you give us any, uh, Alicia, any uh, websites that we should be constantly checking for pharmacy loading appointments if they happen to get vaccine in? I do not know. Because yeah. I have not been able to. I'm, I'm really sorry. Over the weeks as I've been trying to follow up on all of these vaccination events, and I have just found it, just as you all have, 
yeah, to be extremely challenging. Clear to, as mud. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like been, looking at the tiered map. It's just yeah, yeah. It's it's been really hard to keep up with it. And yeah. and I I have to say just to make myself feel a little better when I have sent questions off to public health they also don't know so it's not um totally my fault um but so i've been doing the as best i can to just bring you the information that i that i can find but i'm really sorry it's it's hard hard to get this information yeah i mean i i would monitor the um mendocino county public health website because they do list events um sometimes not too far in advance um but my gestalt is i don't think we're going to have any significant first vaccine vote events this week um week and so. we might not even have any large ones next week but i would monitor the the county government site um you know first and foremost and then you know we'll try to keep people updated through the station as well yeah. and it's mendocinocounty.org uh, that little river event i was talking about is on april 1st so it's on thursday um okay this is the local coronavirus update i'm alicia bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. This is KZYX, and it is a call-in show. So if you'd like to call in, it's 895-2448. That's 707-895-2448. We'll take our next call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Yes, I'm sorry if someone's already asked this for this show, but I have a question about tests. I'm wanting to travel to Hawaii in July, and when I go online and check their travel requirements, you need to have a tests showing you um, tested negative within 36 hours of your departure and from your last departure point. So if you're taking a two-leg flight, you know, whatever the last spot was. And I don't know where I can get a test like that that I would get results soon enough. So generally you need to leave a day before if you take a morning flight out. You know, so you're leaving while it's going to... San Francisco, and you're there overnight, and then you take the flight out the next morning, so I'm looking at maybe two-day response. Is there anyone that's doing that? Or Oh, and it has to be a nucleic acid amplification test or an NAAT test. Yeah, so the, you know, the OptumServe site is not going to meet that requirement because their, their reporting time is you know, four to five, five days to seven, yeah, at, right. at least. Um, and so the options in this county then fall on the hospitals. Um, they're the only other way of getting tested in this county. Um, and their turnaround time is a matter of a few hours. But accessing a test in the hospital requires being in the hospital. In the hospital <laughs> um, yeah. And so it's, you know, the question is whether you would just go to the ER um, and be tested. As, <laughs> no, an, e as an ER doctor, I, I really don't encourage you to do that. No. Um, but those are, unfortunately, the only options here in the county. I think Sonoma County has um, some better and faster turnaround time testing options, but I don't have that information on my at my fingertips. Um, okay, they did mention in their um, thing that uh, they're, they're, you know, where you can get these tests. Walgreens was one they mentioned. Do you know anything about Walgreens testing? I Walgreens does do testing. I don't think they're doing it in Ukiah. <laughs> um, oh, okay. But that, that would be a reasonable call to place 
you know, to Walgreens. I just, I, I haven't seen them set up to be doing that in Ukiah as of yet, but that might have changed just in the last uh, few days. So I, I, would okay. re, I would call, you know, I would call yeah, them. I'm reluctant to make a reservation, you know, buy a ticket and then find out I can't get all the requirements taken care of and I do need to make this trip and this is the time I need to do it. But Well, so I, you know. I could be stuck in 10 days quarantine, but I can't afford to do that. Not, not, not to, you know, advise you on your travel plans, but airlines are being very generous on um, refunding money. And frankly, I suspect that Hawaii's uh, requirements between now and July might change. Um, yeah, I'm and hoping so. so. Yeah, they did go online and look at the airlines they usually take, and they they said, oh, in the economy seats, there's no refund. <laughs> so, well, right. And they were out of the next level up yeah. for the particular flight yeah. I was looking at. So anyway, well, thank you. That, that's kind of not the answer I wanted to get, but that's what I kind of expected. But yeah. thank you very much. Sure. Okay, bye. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, hi. Our son-in-law and daughter have been living in Singapore, and they're being uh, reassigned to Basel, Switzerland. So they're going to be here in May for about three weeks. And we were wondering if it would make sense to try to get them vaccinated and if um, they had only... Um, one one vaccine, would it still make sense to, to try to get them to get the one shot? Yes, um, but they also could um, get the the Johnson & Johnson, which is a, simply a one-shot vaccine. Um, and so, you know, it's... it's I, I don't know. I have no idea what the status of the vaccines uh, distribution in in Singapore is, um, or Basel. But uh, looking at the well, EU, they're both they're both bad. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I know the EU is not good at all because um, they're not they're American citizens. They, and I don't know how much vaccinations happening there. Yeah. And then in Basel, they're having their challenges, or in Switzerland um, because it's Europe and so on. So we were hoping that maybe. But is there a way to try to find a Johnson and Johnson vaccine? Not, not really. Unfortunately, um, we haven't seen a lot of it come into the county. We're talking maybe a hundred or two hundred doses, as I recollect, um, and those have been used. But I keep thinking that the J and J is going to start arriving in larger numbers. And if you're talking about a May trip with your of your family into the county, uh, that might coincide with greater distribution um, and greater availability of vaccines. So. It could work out. Um, I, you know, a single dose of the Moderna or Pfizer vaccines is not certainly recommended, but there is increasing evidence that it actually incurs pretty high level of immunity. Um, and, you know, from the get-go back in December when we started distributing these vaccines, it was the opinion of a lot of people um, that we should simply do one dose of these vaccines to get get it out to as many people as possible and then clean up the mess later, so to speak. That's not the route that we took, um, but it was a reasonable option that was just not pursued. All of which is to say um, that a single dose um, as they board their plane to Basel would not be um, inane. Now, I'm probably making public health officers wince. Um, <laughs> I can hear you, them wincing. Yeah, because you don't want people signing up for just one dose and then scampering right. off around or the Or thinking they're all set just from one shot. Yeah, well, they're not necessarily all set, but, you know, they're more set. Okay. All right. But, I mean, in England, they're doing one shot, right? Or at least playing the second Oop. shot. And my brother is 
many uh, gotten one shot. Well, you're really breaking up now for some reason. going to be delayed. So we were thinking, you know, we're here. We can maybe try to sign them up. I don't know what kind of, you know, documentation they would need when they're visiting here. Um, and trying to get them vaccinated. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure that the documentation requirements are going to be that great if they're U.S. citizens in the county um, by then, because there's going to be sort of wide open. We're going to be trying to get the shot to as many people as possible at that point. Um, so keep your ear on the ground. Um, and, you know, as as their visit approaches, you know, we'll have a better sense of what vaccine availability there is. They would be ideal candidates for the J&J just because it's a one and done type mm-hmm. of deal. But, you know, that's that's right. still a month off at least. And, you know, things change week to week in terms of vaccines in this county. Yeah. All right. Thank you for a great show. All right. Bye-bye. Yep, bye-bye. It's always good to be in touch with your local clinic, though, right? I mean, yeah. they're also doing Well, their local work. clinic is in Singapore. And then, right. The, yeah, the, so. the caller. <laughs> I don't know. We didn't ask where he was. Okay. Let's take another call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, my question is, um, the other day I got an email from Medicare, and it was about um, people that haven't been able to get their vaccinations yet, and they were talking about um, if you had mild to moderate symptoms, there is a treatment option that may help us called monoclonal antibody treatments. Mm-hmm. And it, and it says even for people with higher-risk patients, like those 65 and older with certain health conditions, these treatments can fight the disease and avoid hospitalization. Have you heard anything about this? Yes. No, we have been using that um, in the county um, in a specified number of cases. There's not a lot of it available. Um, it's fairly expensive and requires a prolonged period of ER observation. Um but it helps. It's not a silver bullet, and it's been really allocated in this county to people who are high risk of doing poorly. Um, fortunately, that entire population is now fully vaccinated. So the role of the monoclonal antibodies, I think, is going to diminish fairly rapidly, um, at least locally, uh, just given our high rate of vaccine uptake. Okay, and so they said that it was... Um if it was given within 10 days of the onset of symptoms. Yes. And yeah. So you have heard about that and yes, thank no, you. We, I appreciate We've given it. it. And the sooner, you know, for high risk individuals, the sooner in the course of the illness um, you administer it, at least theoretically, the greater efficacy it will have. Um, but it's, it the, the data behind it is not overwhelming. It helps some, um, but it's not it's not going to completely stop people from getting acutely ill from, from this illness. And so would they then have to go to the hospital to have that administered? Yes. Or? Yeah, it would have to be done in the emergency room typically, um, and there's fairly strict qualifying guidelines 
still in place in the county as to who would get it, uh, just because we don't have a lot of it in supply. But actually, okay. anecdotally, I haven't had to admit that we were using that um, and sort of spending a lot of time figuring out who should get it um, back in De- December and January during the heavy surge of coronavirus in the county. Um, but in the last month, I don't know if we've given even a single dose just because we haven't had people sent to us by usually the clinics or primary providers um, who will call ahead and say, hey, this person has COVID, they're at high risk, and we send them in to get the uh, monoc- monoclonal antibodies. Uh, and that's just not happening much anymore because people... People, lo and behold, are getting the shot. Success. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much for the show, and thank you for being there for us. You're welcome. Great. Thanks for the call. Um, we have an email. Oh. Uh, looks like a good question. Thank you for a year's worth of awesome information and support. Yeah, you're welcome. Question. I am 68. The day after my first Moderna shot, I spent a day vomiting, and it took a few days after that to feel normal. In case my body is going to react similarly or worse after the second shot, can I help myself by taking ibuprofen or anything else? And if so, should I start the day of the shot? Thank you. What do you think? I think yes. Yeah. Um, So definitely ibuprofen and Tylenol. And I I would do it a few hours before the shot. Um, You know, it's, it's not terribly validated but people who have a really sort of strong reaction to the first dose tend to not have as strong of a reaction to the second dose um so though you had a very unpleasant um day after your first shot i wouldn't be too pessimistic that it's going to be as bad or worse uh with with your booster um so hopefully you follow that trend um there's not a lot of data around that but anecdotally that is certainly what i've been seeing um and a lot of my colleagues have been seeing with people who've been vaccinated and have you been seeing the that other thing about moderna symptoms being slightly worse or yeah not not, not really. really yeah all right. Well, it's well worth it. I have I have seen more than a few people coming into the ER with post-vaccine symptoms. Really? Um, yeah, it's not it, not a lot, and they're you know they're generally fairly well, but feeling pretty you know on on the unfortunate side of the spectrum from the vaccine. Oh, yeah. is there? Are they afraid that they caught COVID from the vaccine? No, no, I haven't really encountered that anxiety. I, I think I think there's a fairly broad understanding that this vaccine cannot give you COVID. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's some people out there who argue otherwise, but I haven't encountered them. All right, uh, let's take our next call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you guys for being there. Um, this show has been very helpful for this last year. And um, I want to remind everybody that the silent or the quiet drive is going on. And every one of us should support the station and be members. Um, I I want to just also let people know that I don't know of how many of the pharmacies still have vaccine, but I know of a case of two people who went to Rite Aid in Ukiah and were able to get vaccinated there. So the they people that want to get vaccinated and there's not a clinic for first doses, they might check with the pharmacies here in Ukiah or in your location and see if there are um, vac- they have any vaccine. 
No, that, and that's a very good idea. Um, you know, both Walgreens and Rite Aid um, are distributing the vaccine. I'm not sure how much they have um, on a day-to-day basis, but as the tiers get abolished and as the age range drops, I could see a much bigger role for them um, to get the vaccine into the people who, who still do want it, who haven't yet qualified. All right. Well, I just wanted to thank you for plugging KZYX. Yes, about the the quiet drive. Yes, the quiet drive is is driving on. We have a long way to go, though. So, quietly donate, please. And we know that you have our phone number because you are calling (laughs) now. So, if you want to, after you call to call and make a donation to the quiet drive, you can do that by calling eight nine five two three two four. A little bit different phone number. It's the office line. Uh, and you can sign right up. We would love to have you. And get a KZYXNZ face mask. Yes. Which I am wearing. It's my favorite accessory these days. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that plug for the quiet drive. Really appreciate it. Let's go and take our next call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Yeah. Uh, is this still the call in program about the vaccine? Amongst other things, yes. Go ahead. Okay. Well, uh, previously you said something about a red state, blue state difference in, well, I'm not sure exactly what, but in the the anti-vax sort of situation. Mm -hmm. Has anybody extrapolated whether there's actually going to be a statistical effect on number of voters, let's say? Is it expected that a higher percentage of red state voters might succumb to the virus if there's a corresponding drop in the vaccination rate among them. Yeah, we're not we're not seeing that yet. I mean, it, it's also complex. I mean, in the news cycle about 10 days ago, two weeks ago, there was this sort of breathless comparison of Florida's experience to California's experience with COVID so far. Um, mm. And the subtext of that, I think, was Florida did the right thing by opening everything up because only, you know, 10,000 more people died in Florida than would have been expected. Um <laughs> Uh, you know that's that's a lot of people, but it unfortunately doesn't tend to be um, the Republican voters who are dying from this. Um, you know, yeah, in a, okay. it's 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 actually you know falling disproportionately across the country on uh, minorities, and that's you know that's due to a lot of complex uh, reasons. But it's it's not the yeah. white male Republicans um, who um, are you know, disproportionately um, contracting COVID. Um, And there's not really a heavier red state versus blue state burden, at least not yet. Um, It might change um, as these strains develop and as we get vaccinated, um, you know, perhaps in greater numbers in in the blue states. But that's data that's really hard to um, tease out just because there's so many compounding variables. You bet. Okay. Thank you. Yep. There's also disparity in the vaccine distribution um, uh, between white and black and brown communities in this country. Yes, no, very much so. And, you know, and just the entire structure of the healthcare system has contributed markedly to the disparate impact. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's really hard to sort of come down uh, with a tidy summary of, you know, how this vaccine hesitancy is going to affect the uh, distribution of the uh, of the illness throughout the society. 
All right, let's take another call, and then we have an email. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Hello. Well, we... that was a short. Turn down my radio. Oh, okay. Ah, okay. That'd be that's a great idea. Right. Thanks. Um, I have a question about the cost of testing. If we can go back to that for a sec. Sure. Um, I got a bill from Blue Shield of California. Uh, and it says patient responsibility forty dollars. Amount we paid fifteen. So the amount billed by the provider was fifty-five dollars for four of us in our in our family. Um, we were told at the vaccination site that there wouldn't be a cost. Is this a vaccine or a test? I'm sorry, a test. Sorry, beg your pardon. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think you should be getting bill. I don't know where you were tested. Um, at the fairgrounds in Ukiah. Yeah, you should not be getting billed for that. Yeah, it's strange because along with the um, explanation of benefits, they they sent a check because, you know, our part is only $40 of the 55 so we have four checks for $15. That doesn't make any sense because, you know, we haven't paid anything. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I, I really can't break that down, but there's yeah. some snafu okay. somewhere. The OptumServe is you know funded by the state of California, um, right? And there is not a fee to the people who present there for testing, um, and that's been the right. case with all the other testing that we had done in the county, um, you know, before it got consolidated into OptumServe. So that's that's odd to say the least. Now the ER, um, the the Adventist tests uh, when you present. There, there is a there is a fee associated with that. Um, it is trivial when compared to the cost of renting an ER room for forty five minutes. Um, but you know that's that's another that's another analysis. I'm not sure what's going on with Blue Cross. I'm not even sure why Blue Cross is involved in your getting tested at OptumServe. Yeah, it's strange, and it yeah. says it doesn't say a provider name. It just says amount billed by provider on all four of the the sheets that we got. So, yeah, yeah it's a puzzle. Uh, I guess we're just going to ignore it. I'm not going to cash the checks because I haven't paid any into it. But yeah, um, you you could do strange. what what our family used to do with medical bills. Just get a red pen and write deceased and send it back. <laughs> I like that option. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's right. the best medical advice. <laughs> You heard. think I'm joking. Uh, All right. I like it. Okay, an email. We have been being very conservative in our contacts for the last year, seeing people only outside with masks. Are there any loosening of mask rules now that all the people in our group are vaccinated? This is, right, this is the question. This can is the please question. please visit so, without masks? Yes, the answer is yes. You can visit with a small sort of familial group or small group of close friends that you are going to we don't use bubble or cohort anymore but if if you have um that group identified um and you're all on the same page and you're vaccinated then the guidelines now allow for indoor gatherings maskless now it can't be willy-nilly and it has to be a small group and officially i think it's only supposed to be familial but if you don't have family and you have friends who are effectively family then i think it's reasonable to expand to you know two or three friends again provided that you're vaccinated and low risk um and not you know not going to be potentially carrying it to people who are not vaccinated and high risk here's a follow-up on that from another listener who says uh, who wants to know if she can visit with her younger son who is not vaccinated who lives in an urban area 
and he'd stay in the house and hope to do away with masks while inside. Is this safe for both of us, or must we wait longer to be safe? Well, it depends on the, how young the younger son is. <laughs> um, so, you know, having just seen a 103-year-old in the ER and her daughter-in-law was in her 80s, uh, the answer would be no in that <laughs> scenario. Um, but if the younger son is, you know, in their 20s or 30s, then that risk is is pretty low, honestly. And, you know, if the person, if the parent were visiting um, the child in that scenario and the parent were fully vaccinated, then the likelihood of the parent giving it to the son or daughter is quite low. At least that's where all the evidence is pointing at this point. Um, and the the inverse, the likelihood of the, of the offspring giving it to the parent is also quite low because the parent is vaccinated. So that's probably safe at this point. Now, it's a conversation you need to have with your family member just to make sure that you all are on the, on the same page. But the absolute risks there are really quite low indeed. All right. We have about two minutes before Democracy Now! is going to totally cut, cut us, us off. off. So we can take the next call, but it's got to be super quick. Well, good luck. Caller, are you there? I am. Okay. Quick question. There is some talk that the vaccine is not effective against the variants and that it can actually make you less able to deal with a variant. So how effective is the vaccine against the variants? Yeah, well, that, that is the question of the moment. Um, the, the science right now is pointing toward a fairly high degree of um, prevention amongst the variants that we're seeing. It's not quite as good as the strains that we were testing against back in September and October when these two vaccines were going through their phase you know, phase three trials. Um, the Johnson Johnson is a little bit better tested against some of these strains just because they're a little bit later. There's not evidence. I'm not sure where this is coming from, but I have not seen any evidence to suggest that it makes you more vulnerable to the strains. That's just not borne out by anything I've seen anywhere. Um, so... You know, it's it's a moving question. It's a moving virus, um, and the science is still tracking it quite closely. But that's really kind of what's keeping everybody um, on their tenterhooks, is how fast can we vaccinate? How good is this vaccine against these current strains? And how fast are the strains going to mutate and spread um, you know, amongst the population that's not vaccinated? Yeah, stay tuned. Um, but for now, the data is looking encouraging. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Bye-bye. Thanks Bye -bye. for the call. All right. So that's going to bring us to the end. I want to just thank everybody for listening. And thanks for calling. Yes. And remind you again to donate to The Quiet Drive. Quiet Drive. Yes. Very quiet. The uh, KZYX.org has a donate button on the homepage. Uh, if you appreciate this programming and, and want to kick in a few bucks... We got some thank you gifts as well. I love it when you guys join as members. It's just really, really great to have membership uh, supporting this place, and, and we're all so join. It's it's largely painless. This, yeah, it's, yeah. it's completely painless. Way yeah. less painless than a vaccine shot. Actually, that didn't hurt at all. No, neither it, neither it, my it, shots it, hurt at the all. The shot doesn't hurt. It's you know the next day or two you might feel cruddy. Felt a little cruddy. Yeah. The other thing I want to mention is that tonight at seven 
It's the discussion, which is our community open lines forum, and it's a fifth Monday, so that means that uh, we're going to be hosting the discussion with members of KZYX staff. So I'm going to be working the board, and our general manager, Marty Durlin, is going to be here as well, and that is to give you a chance to bring up issues about the radio station if you want to. It's not mandatory. The open lines is caller-driven, so whatever you want to talk about is great, but we'll also be here to field questions and comments about the station, too. Maybe they should just talk about COVID. <laughs> I think we got that covered. Right. So we'll be back uh, with the COVID update on next Monday. Any last words? No, be safe. Continue the COVID rules. We're not out of the woods yet. Um, you know, but we're things are looking up. Spring and summer are right around the bend. Um, so hopefully we will pull ourselves out of this over the course of the next three to four months. That is overwhelmingly cheery. I know, right? We need a new theme song, folks. great. Yeah, Yeah, we'll take suggestions. All right, so coming (laughs) up next is Democracy Now! Thanks again for listening. I'm Alicia Bales with Dr. Drew Colfax. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXMZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.